Three times, we are told, Jesus wept. One of those times was while he was traveling to Jerusalem the week of his crucifixion. Luke 19.41 As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he could see the city in the distance and began to weep. The question is, what was he weeping about? There are several explanations as to why Jesus wept. 1. Jesus wept because he knew that the same people yelling Hosanna as he entered the city would soon be yelling, Crucify him. 2. Jesus wept because he knew Judas would betray him. 3. Jesus wept because he knew Peter would deny knowing him. 4. Jesus wept because he was going to be crucified. 5. Jesus wept because his ministry was almost over. And lastly, 6. Jesus wept for all the people who were going to hell after they died, for not accepting him as their Lord and Savior. Which one were you taught is the correct explanation? The bad news is none of those are correct. If you haven't already listened to episode 13, titled, One Will Be Taken, The Other Left, A Myth About the Rapture, then I suggest pausing this episode and listening to that one first, because a lot about what we're going to discuss relates to that study. If you have listened to it, then let's recall what modern American Christians commonly mistake as the rapture. But before we do, I'd like to first set up the scene. We just read Luke chapter 19, where Jesus was approaching the city of Jerusalem. Once inside the city walls, Jesus visits the temple and begins to flip some tables and whip some corrupt merchants. Then, in chapter 21, we are told Jesus' disciples begin to admire the temple. Luke 21, 5-7 Some of Jesus' disciples began to talk about the majestic stonework of the temple and its decorative walls. But Jesus told them, The time is coming when this temple will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Then the disciples asked him, When will all this happen? Jesus said, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. At that moment, flee to the countryside outside of the city and do not return. How terrible it will be for a pregnant woman and for a nursing mother in those days, for there will be disaster in Jerusalem and great anger against its people. They will be killed by the sword or sent away as captives all over the world. Jerusalem will be trampled down by Gentiles. This is a parallel story to the one found in Matthew chapter 24. Christians believe Jesus is talking about the return of God coming to take believers to heaven, and those who are not taken or those left behind are the non-believers. However, that is not at all what Jesus was describing. Jesus foretells of when Roman soldiers will attack Jerusalem and take most of its people. However, they won't be able to take every single person, so a few will be left behind. If we continue on to chapter 22, we'll read about when Judas betrays Jesus and also when Peter denies knowing Jesus. Then we get to chapter 23. We begin the scene by Jesus officially being sentenced to death by the Roman governor, Pilate. Luke 23 
26 through 28. As the Roman soldiers led Jesus to be crucified, a large crowd followed behind, including many grieving women. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Instead, weep for yourselves and for your children. Let's pause there for a second. Jesus just told them that his crucifixion is not something worth crying for because something even worse is going to happen to them. Let's continue. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Instead, weep for yourselves and for your children because the days are coming when people will say, fortunate are the women who are childless. Blessed are the wombs that have not borne a child. People will beg the mountains to fall on them and they will plead to the hills to bury them because if they are crucifying me, Imagine what they are going to do to you. Who are they whom Jesus refers to? Well, the Roman soldiers are the ones who crucified him, so they will also be the ones responsible for the terrible things that are going to happen to those women and their children, things worth grieving for. Crazy stuff, huh? I bet you've never understood what those verses were actually saying. I sure didn't. It's super clear now what Jesus is saying when we put in the work to add context. Why did Jesus predict Rome was going to terrorize Jewish women and children? As we previously learned in episode 13, the reason Rome attacked Jerusalem was because the Jewish people repeatedly attempted to revolt against Rome who at that time governed over Judea. Rome had had enough of their riots, violence, and uprisings, so they attempted to achieve peace by removing or destroying the source of the issue. The riots and attempts of revolution were especially bad during the time of Jesus' ministry. Remember Barabbas, the prisoner who the Jews voted to set free instead of Jesus, he was one of the ones causing trouble, as we see in Mark 15, 7. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder during an uprising. And also Mark 15, 27. Two revolutionaries were crucified with Jesus, one on his right and one on his left. Older translations label these two men as thieves, However, a more accurate translation would be criminals. Take into account the political tensions of that time, and their actions were most likely related to uprisings, which is why newer translations like the New American Bible, New American Standard, New International, and the New Living label these two men as rebels or revolutionaries. Jesus wasn't the first person to be crucified, nor would he be the last. Thousands of Jews were crucified for breaking Roman law, but the worst criminals in the eyes of Rome were the revolutionaries. Jesus himself was even treated like one. Mark fourteen forty-eight. Jesus asked them, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? And also Luke 23, 5. The leading priests said to Pilate, 
This man, Jesus, is causing riots by his teachings wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Even though Jesus' teachings was not encouraging riots, rather the opposite, the religious leaders planned on using Jesus as a way to relieve political tensions between Jerusalem and Rome. The plan was to accuse Jesus of being a high-level revolutionary, responsible for many of the riots and uprisings throughout the area. They would then capture him, turn him over to Pilate to have him crucified. With the assumed rebel boss dead, Rome would be under the illusion that the uprisings and the riots in the area would cease. Jesus' death would buy Jerusalem some time. John eleven forty seven through 50 the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together. The high priest said, It is better that one man should die for the people than for our whole nation to be destroyed. But if Jesus really was innocent of their accusations, how were they able to legally have him sentenced to death through the Roman judicial system? Matthew 27, 20-26, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. Governor Pilate was confused and asked why. What crime has Jesus committed? He is innocent. But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere with them and that a riot was developing, so he did what he had to do to keep the peace. He turned Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Jesus was legally crucified as to avoid a riot from happening. That's how fragile and tense the political climate was. Rome was getting so tired of having to constantly suppress Jewish riots and uprisings that Pilate was willing to sentence an innocent man to death just to calm the situation. The people of Jerusalem were walking on very thin ice. It was more than obvious that the end for Jerusalem was near, but the religious leaders either could not see the signs or they purposefully chose to ignore them. Matthew 16, 2-3, Jesus told the Pharisees and Sadducees, You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the present moment. Jesus understood that the only way to save Jerusalem from total annihilation was to teach its people to turn the other cheek, love their enemies, especially the Roman ones, and to work towards peace and justice by humbly serving, instead of violently initiating resistance with their oppressors. If implemented, 100% of what Jesus taught and preached to his fellow Jews would have saved them from what was to come. His sacrifice took the place of their sins and offenses against Rome. It bought them time to put them back in Rome's graces. But as we already know, that's not what happened. Jesus wept anyways. Not because the same crowds who yelled Hosanna later yelled crucify him. 
Besides, there isn't any evidence to suggest both crowds consisted of the same people. Jesus didn't weep because Judas would betray him or Peter would deny knowing him. Jesus didn't weep because his ministry was coming to an end. He actually continued his ministry even after he was crucified. Speaking of his crucifixion, he also didn't weep because of that either. And lastly, Jesus did not weep because he was thinking of those who would go to hell after they died. Jesus was not thinking of life after death. He was thinking about life before death. He was grieving precisely because the end was near for those who were alive and living in Jerusalem. He was sad because most of them were either going to die or be held captive. Let's reread Luke 19.41, but this time let's continue to verse 44. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he could see the city in the distance and began to weep. He said, How I wish that you, Jerusalem, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late for you. You will never know what it means to live in peace. Before long, your enemies will surround your walls from every side. They will keep you trapped within the city, and they will stop food and resources from entering. Then, when you have become weak, they will enter the city and crush you into the ground, and your children with you. Your enemies will destroy everything and not leave a single stone in its place. All of this will soon happen because when I showed you how God wanted you to live, you did not listen. Jesus did not weep because people did not believe that he was real. He wept because they chose not to change their behavior from one of violence and rage to one of peace and compassion. Jesus did not care that he was about to die. He only cared that others were going to die or be taken captive. Jesus wept because the sins of the few would destroy the lives of the many, many of whom were innocent women and children. The bad news is salvation isn't about you. It's about us. How do your actions affect those around you? Are you only focused on your own personal success? Or are you living a life in which you work for what is best for everyone, especially the most vulnerable and least fortunate? Because if you're well, but everyone around you is suffering, it is only a matter of time until everything starts crumbling down. Even you. Are you so blind that you can't even see the signs?